Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matthew Rossi, the host, and with me are my two fantastic co-hosts. Uh, first up, uh, editorial director and EIC of the site, uh, Liz Harper. Hi, Liz. Howdy, howdy. Uh, also with us, he was once a shaman columnist, and now he is just an overall good person who writes some things that are good, like about how to paint your miniatures and play various games. And it's it's just a wonder to have him. Joe Perez. Aw, well, thank you. And hello, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, um, here's where we'd usually do the top stories thing, and we're going to do it now, so we're conforming to stereotype, I guess, <laughs> but whatever. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is something that I've been looking at and finding baffling. Uh, they changed the name of the, the big love rocket in Love is in the Air, which this isn't the part that baffles me. I'm totally cool with it. They, they renamed it the X-45 Heartbreaker. Yeah. Uh, it previously was named the big love rocket, I think. Yeah. And yeah. it's... It's a minor thing. I, I am. I was not particularly upset about the name of it beforehand. I did not. I do not have a particular dog in this fight, as as the saying goes. But I think it's fine that they changed it because you know, Big Love Rocket is it's it's a penis reference. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be there. It doesn't add anything. It, it might as well distract. be the title of a Kiss song at that point. Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, and you know, it's a big pink rocket that you ride around on. I mean, yeah. So they changed the name. Some people are upset. I, I'm going to turn this over to Liz because you've actually interacted with people who are upset, whereas I, you, you mentioned that people were upset, and I was like, really? So, yeah, people are upset. Talk about it. I mean, I, I can't give you, like, a ratio of how many people are upset, but I have seen people complaining about it, saying that, oh, wow, I don't want this anymore. It's, it's stupid, and I don't. And, I'm, and I think in my head, it's like, okay, well, I was never interested in riding around on a mount that is literally a sex joke. So deal with it. Deal with it. I guess you don't like it now. I don't like I didn't like it then. But in the end, it's the same mount. You're riding yeah. the same thing. If you think a rocket is cool and you want to ride a rocket, you still have that. Though, yeah. of course, it's like a 0. 0.003 chance of getting it. So maybe you don't have it. Maybe none of us will ever have it. And this entire conversation is moot. I have it. <laughs> oh, well, fancy. la dee da No. <laughs> Uh, I'm is, actually, the best part is I have it on my EU realm characters. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I don't, and I don't play them in. Yeah, so. I don't, I don't, I definitely don't have it. I just don't understand why people make her making such a big deal. It's a name, like not, not, not like names change. Names change on things all of the the dang time. And like, like you're saying, like this is this hurts nobody who's already gotten it. And I feel like if somebody is hung up on like because it's being the name's being changed to something you know more appropriate in this case the X forty five heartbreaker, I think that speaks more volumes of the people that are upset about that than it does them changing the name. Like you might you might need to do some self reflection there. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it because it's the same. Like Liz pointed out, it's the same damn mount. It's the exact same thing. The only thing that's different is the name. Uh, people people confuse me sometimes. Like I, I don't get it. it if they change the name of Mimron's head to something like, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the orb of Mimron, I don't think I'd get mad. I think I'd be like, that's kind of dumb. But if they didn't want to have head in there for some reason, and I can think of reasons, it wouldn't really upset me as long as it was still a big robot head that I flew around in. You that know nobody I mean? else has that I can rub it in other people's faces. Yeah. <laughs> other people have it. I've, I actually see lots of people with it nowadays. Um, but it's it's just you know it, like it'd be like if you got um, if they actually changed Invincible's name to Invisible to, <laughs> to make the joke stop or to keep make them continue I don't know but 
you know, if they did that, I still, it's still the same dead horse with wings. I, you know, it's, I don't know. I, but I, I, I don't want to make people feel like I'm just dis- dismissing them um, or trying to diminish them. If you, if it really does upset you and it's upsetting you, like whatever your reasons are, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want people to be upset. I don't want people to be unhappy with the game, but I don't think this change is going to really hurt the game in any significant um the name was dumb i'm sorry big love rocket was dumb it was a dumb name but you know so lots of things are dumb um i don't know that's that's it that's the one thing we're talking about (laughs) so i'm gonna move on to the to news i think will actually make a lot of people happy um some mobs will now when you can skin them you can actually have more than one person skin them and i don't know which mobs it is because the article didn't I didn't actually get a chance to read the article, um, but I do think that's cool, and it's in patch 9.2. So either of you want to talk about that because I think that's a pretty cool. It needs to be talked about. So skinning has always been an annoying profession, especially once group looting was instituted. Uh, the idea that you could kill a bunch of things, loot one mob, and then everything within a certain radius would pull back to you uh, because if they were things that were skinnable, other people could run around as soon as you looted and just start skinning the things that you spent the time killing. And then those mobs would despawn. So like the corpse wouldn't be there for you to actually skin anymore. And so it made skinning not fun, especially in this expansion. Uh, Things like leather and mail uh, legendary stuff, at least on my realm and connected realms, tend to be very expensive compared to the other ones, even compared to like blacksmithing legendary blanks, because callous hide is a pain to get when you're fighting with everybody else to get it. And there are other ways to do it, and there are, uh, I know that there are ways to get callus hide from other means, uh, but it sort of diminishes the idea of having skinning and leveling it as you're going. Now with this, it's coming to a point where it's being more in line with mining, herbalism, and as far as like those gathering skills go, where if I go to, to mine something, the thing doesn't disappear for everybody around me. If they can see it, they can also mine it. It's just an instance per player. And certain mobs are going to be able to do that now so that they can actually be skinning instances per player so that everybody can start actually getting callous hide, which now we might see some of the prices being driven down a little bit, but also players that want to actually level up things like uh, leatherworking or, you know, uh, making their 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 mail, uh, their mail stuff from leatherworking as well. Uh, they can actually do this now without having to spend a fortune on raw materials or waiting for an extended period of time in order to do it. So it's it's overall, it's a good change. I would like to see what mobs are really going to do it, but I have a feeling it's going to be uh, the ones that particularly give callous hide. Um, and this way we can move on through professions. So it's a good change. And I'm actually very surprised it took this long to come into place. All right, Liz, you got anything to say on that? Uh, no, it's just skinning has always been kind of an odd duck out of, out of the gathering professions because it's the only gathering profession like this anymore. So yeah, this is a great change. This is fantastic. All right. Uh, moving on to something that I, I sent in, I was just a, this is happening thing. And then Liz came, came back in with like a much, much more insightful uh, paragraph. So I'm going to throw this over to Liz to talk about patch <laughs> 22.2.2 for Hearthstone and the changes they're making to the battlegrounds as they're trying to get a handle on, on where they are now design wise. Um, <laughs> You talked specifically about their lack of a PTR. That's the thing I want to talk about. So Hearthstone does not have a PTR, correct? Correct. So if they, you know, if changes happen, you know, it's 
I mean, I assume they have their testing internally and all that, but they don't have like WoW, like Diablo. They don't have a big PTR where lots and lots of players come together to test it. So I feel like a lot of the times when Hearthstone rolls something new out, you know, it's not, you know, it's always a little rough. The balance is always a little rough. And uh, we've been seeing that in Battlegrounds recently because they rolled out a big update to Battlegrounds that added Battlegrounds buddies where you have each, uh, everyone has kind of a special NPC partner that you can that you can use to do cool things. But you get this thing where like some heroes are just like massively more powerful than others and some buddies are massively more powerful than others. So today they did roll out a huge balance patch, mostly focused on Battlegrounds, though there were some changes to duels as well. And um, I mean, it's just like, so so why why don't we have an opportunity to test these in advance? Like, is this something sort of specific to the type of game, do y'all think? Or is this just, I don't know, I don't know. I, I do think the Hearthstone team does a good job on, at jumping on fixes pretty quickly. I mean, it's not like in some games where it may take weeks to get things out. I mean, we do get fixes and thoughtful balance changes on a reasonable time frame, but it's like, okay, why do you roll these out and they're kind of off kilter when maybe you could have a big PTR like some of your some of Blizzard's other games have and kind of figure this out in advance. So I I just don't know. I don't know. Are they doing the right thing? Should they do something else? It just feels like the game goes live and it always has, it's a little off. I think like Heroes, like of, Storm, I think Heroes of Storm had that problem too for a while. Hmm. Um, uh, I don't, and nowadays they don't roll new characters out nearly as often as they used to. So they don't have it as much. Um, but, but when it was in its heyday, I don't recall if it had a PTR or not. But I remember I did, that I they, they, yeah, they would release characters and it would be like, yeah, that character's ridiculous. And it almost felt like they did that on purpose, like to yeah. get the new character to be, you know, attractive to people. So they, they let it get out with ridiculously overpowered abilities and then they would wait a little while and then they would nerf them. That, that's a MOBA um, thing. That's been a MOBA thing and all across the board for mm. forever. Yeah. But it, it does make me do wonder. That. Dota does that. Yeah, it does make me wonder if that's got anything to do with like Hearthstone also because it's a card game. And you want people to to play the new meta, meta? Maybe you deliberately let it be kind of ridiculous to see how people deal with it, and then you go back. I don't know, um, I, but it is interesting to think about. I think with Hearthstone, it feels a little more. I don't think it's like they're intentionally trying to overpower it to get people to do it. I think it's they're just trying to do things that are interesting and have. That's the, at least that's the way it looks to me. And I don't know for sure. I, I mean, it's almost unless somebody comes out and say it, but it's it's almost like. I liken it to like Magic the Gathering when it comes to new sets when they come out. They'll try something that seems like it's a really cool idea on paper, and sometimes it is overperforms and does absolutely insane, and everybody wants it, and it unbalances everything, and then has to be nerfed or walked back or or whatever through bans or, or changes. It's a lot easier to do it in digital card form, obviously, um, or it underperforms to an extreme extent, and then it has to be brought up. And I think we've seen that with Hearthstone in the past too, where they've introduced things that like everybody's like, yep, no, this is garbage. And then nobody touches it. And then they go back and give it other passes and try to bring it up to, to parody. So it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think there, a lot of it just feels like they're just trying stuff and seeing what sticks and then balancing it after. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's great to see game developers trying things, trying new things, trying fun things. And when you're trying a bunch of things, some things aren't going to work. 
That's that's just the nature of the game. Some things are just not going to work out for you. Um, but yeah, sometimes Hearthstone feels really off kilter, and sometimes it does feel like they're doing that to like bring people in. Because one of the things in Hearthstone, they have this uh, tavern pass for Battlegrounds. I may mix that up with their other pay-for thing. That um, basically, when you have the tavern pass, you get access to new Battlegrounds heroes early. And you have access to more choices of heroes. When you start Battlegrounds, you pick a hero out of a couple. And uh, Tavern Pass gets more heroes to choose from. And they also get early access to new heroes. So if they roll out heroes that are overpowered on day one, which they it feels like they do it pretty often. I don't know if my feeling is in line with reality, but it does feel like that's not infrequent. So when that happens, it does kind of feel like, okay, are you messing with me? Are you saying I have to subscribe to play the good stuff because this, uh, the Tavern Pass people are going to be getting early access. And in two weeks when I get access, it's nerfed because it's overpowered. Um, yeah, I just don't know. It's just an odd sort of situation. I always wonder, could we do this a little better? I mean, I never think game developers are trying to do a bad job, but it's like, Corey. how could this be done better? Corey in chat raises a really good point that I think I think it's really easy to skip over. Uh, a lot of game developers, not just Blizzard, but like a lot of them will put up like things like PTR or Test Realms, and mm -hmm. the amount of data and feedback they get from one week of live play versus a year of PTR, it, it's the the week of live play makes more sense because more players are going to touch it and feedback. Whereas going out of your way to install the PTR and test new stuff out. There are some people That's who just really good point. won't do that, right? Like I, I yeah. will be honest. I don't touch like the WoW PTR anymore because I don't, I don't necessarily have time to keep two things up to date and then try everything out. I generally for and I don't want to. This is going to sound goofy, maybe to some folks, uh, but some will get it, and I think you guys will get it. Uh, I don't want story beats ruined for me if I can avoid it because yeah. there's already enough spoilers out there as it is for me to 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 deal with and 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 to sort of ingest. So, like, for me, PTR, it's a good thing, but I don't participate. And so, yeah, I but I will be very vocal when something goes live, and I will give feedback when something goes live. So I'm definitely in that use case. So I'm sure there's tons of people that are like that, too. They just don't want to be bothered with downloading and setting up a second instance of the game. Well, speaking of PTRs, I think this is a good way to <laughs> jump into the next thing here. Uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected's uh, patch 2.4 PTR is going offline tomorrow which is Wednesday if you're listening to this live. And if you're listening to it recorded, tomorrow was Wednesday, the 9th of February. Um, it's coming back at some point, but it's going offline because it, it's, well, let's be honest. It means basically that we know that patch 2.4 is going to be getting more work. Uh, they're going to test the ladder, which is not coming out with 2.4. Uh, it will come out after. Just like, I think, um, like a little bit, like a week or so. I'm not sure exactly if they've they said they didn't give us a time frame, but I would guess about a week because that's what Diablo three does. Yeah. At any rate though, the latter will be coming out after the 2.4 patch drops, which means that the class balance changes and stuff will go live first. Uh, the new rune words and so forth. Although I think some of the rune words are just in the ladder, so you won't see them right away, but definitely the class changes will, will be part of the patch and then you'll have them to, to get used to before you then start ladder play. Um, but that's just something to, to keep in mind and it's worth mentioning since the, if you are, I've been testing uh, Diablo two's uh, patch 2.4 on the PTR, you won't be able to tomorrow because that's when it's going down. And we don't know when it's coming back either. No, um, I don't think they said, yeah, they, they have not said that part. I, I know. 
Um, but yeah, so that's happening. Uh, the ladder's not coming with it. However, that then kind of moves into another thing that is currently on the PTR, but is going live not very long from now. So the 10th? The 10th. Yeah, so to, to Thursday. Um, the Season of Mastery uh, changes for Blackwing Lair as part of Phase 3, which will be Blackwing Lair's release. They're going live uh, this Thursday, as, you, as you're listening to the recording, the, the 10th of February. And they're pretty substantial. I think at this point we know about changes to every boss but Broodlord Lash Lair. Yeah, maybe they um, just aren't changing Lash Lair because that was always a pain. Honestly, I, I find myself wondering if they're just going to ma- go buff the suppression room. Yeah. Oh, God, make no. that harder. Oh, oh no. <laughs> All right, I'm out. See you guys. Bye. So, here, Joe, Joe, have have you read about the changes they're making to Nefarian? Yeah, actually, I really like the changes to Nefarian. I think it's uh-huh. hilarious. I well, think I think, I think it sounds like so much fun, but it's also a nightmare, and I don't know if I ever want to play it. I, I'm going to so, let's let's before we talk about them that way, let's straight up just tell people what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a really good idea. So first off, the first thing that's going to happen is the fight will be the same up until you start it. You 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 go into the room. Uh, Nefarian's chilling out on his seat. You go up and you talk to him and you start a conversation. And he has a dialogue where he says things that don't make any sense. Uh, and like a crazy person. And then he turns into a dragon and flies away. And you're like, what just happened? <laughs> and that's when things change up because previously the way it is now and the way it's been since it originally came out, there are two doorways on the, on the side of the room. Mm-hmm. And those doorways have ads that come streaming out of them. And you're supposed to deal with those ads. Only now those ads are going to be coming out a lot faster. So you don't get as much time between waves of ads to deal with them. You have to get them down as fast as you can because more of them are going to just keep coming out. So that's that's change number one. That by itself would make this fight much harder. But that's I mean, just that's just like a, a little bit of garnish on the side <laughs> for how much more stuff is going to be in this fight. Because mm-hmm. after you get through that phase, you get through the Shadow Flame phase where he blasts everybody with Shadow Flame and you better have your Anixia cloak on. Then... We come to the class calls and the class calls in some ways, they're completely unchanged. All the original class calls are here. They have not taken any of them out. They've all However, been, yes. And they've just, yeah. They're like, what if you still did that? But also this happened. Yeah. So uh, do you guys want to alternate on these? Do you want me to just read them and get through them as fast as possible? What do you want to do here? It doesn't matter to me. I have no preference. All right. Uh, since Liz didn't say anything, I'm going to just do this. Druids, you still get turned into cat form. So if you're anything but a cat druid, say you're a boomkin, <laughs> you're a boomkin. <laughs> uh, healers are included in this, by the way. Just let's or, make that clear. Healers or, are included or in this. Or healers. Place. Yeah. If you're yeah, a healer. Yeah, I mean, that hurts if you're yeah. a healer. Or you're, so let's say you're a tank. That Druid tanks actually happened. Uh, you Nope, you're cat form now, so have fun with that. But while that's happening, to mess over everybody but a cat druid, also, there will now be a thing called Nightmare Brambles that will target patches on the floor, and you don't want to be near them. If you stand there and let this thing go off, it will root you, mm-hmm. and it will deal nature damage to you. Now, you're saying, okay, so there's a root nature damage, but it can be cleansed off, right? And you, yes, yes, it can be cleansed off. However, these, cl- these new added features to every class call last much longer than the class call. They last long enough for sometimes another class call to go off, sometimes two other class calls to go off, meaning that that patch of ground was now just, you can't be there or you'll get rooted and you don't want to get rooted because for example, the hunter class call, 
your bow still gets broken or your gun or your crossbow, whatever ranged weapon you're using still gets broken in your bat, you know, in your inventory and you'd have to like swap out, you know, but that's, that's bad enough. But now also he's nefarian will summon multiple copies of hunter bows. Like, so if you got a bunch of hunters in your raid, many, many bows or guns or whatever will just appear and they will fire corrupted shot. Corrupted shot puts a reticule on the, on the floor. And from that reticule, a red laser beam is going to like spear across the floor. And I'm assuming the reticle will tell you what direction the laser is going to be in. So you need to get out of it. So if you are say bound up by, by those roots from the last class call, you're not going anywhere. You're taking a lot of damage to the face, probably enough to kill you. Yeah. Just let's be honest. You're dead. You're dead. So, so that's, that's the hunter class call. The mage class call, you're, you're still polymorphing people into giraffes and so forth. That That's still happening. But also, Nefarian's decided he'd like it to be a disco. So he's going to have every mage summon like a, a set of wands that just appear floating in the air and just begin spamming arcane explosion out of all of them. It does, so you don't want, it does knock back, by the way. It does It does knock back. And it interrupts casts. So if you're trying, say you're a healer and you're trying to cast a spell and that thing pops up next to you. Well, if you don't move, it's going to knock you back, interrupt the spell, probably put you over to get rooted, or it, since we just talked about into the, the beams, thing, yeah, into the beams, or into the paladin consecrates that are coming because paladins are still casting improved blessing and protection, but they're also summoning multiple swords that will just cast consecrate constantly. So you'll have consecrate patches all over the floor you have to get out of while being knocked back by mage things or possibly rooted by a. Uh, by druid things who knows who knows which one you'll be getting uh priests still killing people with corrupted healing i remember it jim never <laughs> gonna forget it i know you did it uh but regardless that's still going to be happening but also while that's happening they will be summoning shadow orbs and the shadow orbs will be casting mind flay on players slowing them and dealing damage to them that you have to run out well, of range of you have to outrange it. And so you're slowed trying to run away while meanwhile that's still going on. And then say a consecrate start dropping or you get rooted or you, you see where we're going with this rogues still get teleported in front of the boss and, and cleaved and, and breathed on if the tank doesn't react quickly enough. But also you're going to spawn corrupted weapons. Your daggers are going to just appear in the, in the crowd and just start hitting people, random people with shadow damage. Isn't it raid wide? It's it basically picks a target from what I understood from the reading. If I'm incorrect about that, I apologize. But it, it seemed to me like they spawn throughout the raid, but they pick a target, and the target has to get away from them before they get hit by the shadow balls. Oh, because I thought I thought it was I thought it was AOE. No, I don't think that's what it is, but it could be because let's talk about the shaman one. <laughs> <laughs> you sure, you don't want to talk about the shaman one, Joe? I mean, I'm, I I definitely can because I think it's hilarious. Uh, Go for it. Shaman are going to, we're still going to cast Corrupted Totems, which is going to buff Nefarian. Uh, so you might be giving him things like, I don't know, Wind Fury uh, or potentially dropping a Fire Nova in the middle of your raid. Uh, but now Shaman are going to let loose a Bouncing Bolt, uh, which will cast Pulse Lightning on players in range when it lands. Uh, basically, it's a contagious form of Chain Lightning uh, that will continue to bounce until it either stops uh, or you are out of range of anybody else for it to bounce to. So yeah, uh, hope you're not rooted or slowed or or anything like that because uh, I can see that wiping a raid on its own. Yeah, it is. It is really bad because one person who gets it and then he's close to three people now four people oh, have it. Yeah, and and from the corrupted class calls, you could theoretically also drop Earthbind Totem if you want to talk about slows. 
That was one yep. of the ones you could potentially drop as well. So good, good. Slow everybody into 40 yard or 20 yard range. Enjoy. Yes. There's, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot, but, but now let's talk about warlocks. Warlocks, you're still <laughs> dropping two Corrupted Infernals on the raid, so don't worry. You'll still get to do that. Uh, but those aren't that hard. We know in the past, you just have a couple mages do Frost Nova and just burn them down, right? Right? You can do that, right? Well, No big deal. No big deal. Here's the thing that, the, that you're getting in addition to that. Like priests, you'll be dropping various big shadow orbs around. But unlike sh- you know priests, you th- those shadow orbs think you are playing Bomberman. So they explode out in corrupted coils, like death coil, and they just shoot them all over the raid. And you have to kind of like play Dance Dance Revolution to avoid it's them. It's like that dungeon boss in Missa Pandaria, the the um the, the bug. Why can't I think Seriously, of his name now? I know who you're talking about, but it, like uh, it really is like Bomberman. I'm not kidding. Just think of it as Bomberman. <laughs> get out of those things. Don't stand in the line because it will go boom, 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 and you will be dead. Uh, so that's that's the warlock one. That that one is apparently real fun to look at. I'm assuming <laughs> that's not by people who were in it, but you know, it's, it's fun to watch warrior ones. The warrior ones actually not too awful. Um, warriors get forced in a berserker stance, which is like terrible. If you're a tank, because you'll be taking 30% extra damage uh, for, for like a DPS warrior. It's not too bad that you get put popped in a berserker stance. Arms warriors might be annoyed by it because their stuff mostly happens in battle stance back in classic. But here's the bit that really gets me. You'll also get corrupted weapons like rogues, but instead of it doing shadow damage, the corrupted weapons will charge you, which means they will root you in place because that charge has a small stun. So the weapon will charge you, stunning you. It'll stun you for like two seconds. Then it will cast corrupted slam, which has a three second cast that causes a two second stun. So then it will stun, it will stun lock you in place for four seconds if you don't get away from it in that one second of time while it's casting the spell, because you will only have one second because it will charge you and then start casting corrupted, you know, corrupted slam. So you'll be sitting there for two seconds waiting and then trying to get away from it in that one second before it gets the spell off and, and stuns you in place for another two seconds while all this other stuff is happening. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like just, just describing this fight makes me tired. And and those class calls can overlap. Yep. So yeah. you could yep. have more than one at the same time. I, and they're the, just the person there's the person so I, many I saw crazy AOEs. About, yeah. The person I saw talking about it said that he saw three going off like one oh. three three oh, lasting at terrible. once. Three. Well, it would yeah, it, it so. would make terrible. it would make sense for the ground effect ones to stick around for a while too, because that was a that mm. was a thing in vanilla to begin with. Like I remember the corrupted dragon of nightmare. What was the uh which one was the one that did the um uh, uh, mushrooms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I I know you talking about the Was mushroom. Was it one. Yeah, I think it was Emrys. Those things lasted for bloody ever. So like you oh, had gosh, to use that, that, was, enti- that was you rough. had to use an entire arena because you couldn't, and you had to be coordinated because you could literally cut the raid off from being able to do anything if you were too far ahead. And those things doing, just stuck around. Doing Emrys in the the one that's in um, Darks Darka Shire. Darkshire. Darkshire. Yeah. The forest song one is terrible because it's surrounded by those tree things mm-hmm. and you can't like, it's very quick. You, you'll be cut off from people very quickly. Uh, it was always a nightmare, but yeah, the, the, just looking at this fight, the faster ads by themselves make me tired, especially since we know the ads get up in, in phase three, the ads all get up and attack as a swarm of skeletons. And there's no way you're going to control them in phase one and get them to a good place for everybody to AOE. 
Especially so you have to be putting down like slows and stuff like we used to have to do back in the day because they were already spawning too quickly to, that they could overwhelm you. So you would have to and put things on like. And they spawned with aggro on yeah, the healers almost immediately. Immediately. So yeah, this ask, is going to be. Ask me how many times my face got eaten. Go ahead. <laughs> Joe, I was tanking that fight. I know how many times your face got eaten because all, I watched all my healers die. <laughs> that That is the fight that forced me to spec into heal tank. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was not. We had a one paladin who we just like let go nuts with heels because we knew that he would mean that they would yep. they would come rip his head off. And while they were trying to do that, the other healers would actually switch to healing him. Yeah, I, I, that, that that that's no joke. What I used to have to do back in the day when I was raiding Blackwing Lair on Hordeside, I had to spec into evasion shaman tank. I had to go far enough into enhancement to pick up all the evasion and agility skills. So that I couldn't be like one shot and I could stay alive and take a hit long enough because we had shields uh, on Horde side because that we were the only healers that did. Uh, and we could actually have a block value unlike, you know, other healers. So mm-hmm. I could take a hit or two before I would die. But it was still scary <laughs> every single time. Oh, God. Oh, God. There are 13 <laughs> monsters attacking, attacking me at once. They're not coming. They're not peeling off. Oh, God. Yeah, no. It's- I'm not proud. I'm not proud of the noises that I made during that fight. <laughs> but that's just one of many things. Liz, I just heard you talking. So I mean, back in the day, I played a warlock when I was doing vanilla. I was playing a warlock and this was one of the only fights that you got to use Hellfire on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hellfire was a big AOE, but it did damage to you. And if you used it in other situations, the healers would be like, well, I guess you're just dying because I'm not healing through that prep because it was a lot of damage. Uh, but no, that was the place you would use Hellfire and the healers would heal you because they needed that AOE damage to keep the adds down because they were yeah. spawning relentlessly. We actually had, that's another thing Warlocks did. Warlocks did tank this fight. They tanked yep. the adds. Warlocks would just sit there and they would just, they would drop the, uh, I think they would actually drop an Infernal uh, to get their attention. I thought it was still a Blueberry because the Blueberry was the only thing that had the uh, the AOE taunt. Maybe yeah. it might have been a blueberry. So. Uh, it's been a long time, but I just remember they dropped something yeah. right for, for right those of you that don't ads. know. A blueberry is the void walker. Yeah, <laughs> they dropped the thing right in front of their ad, the ads. The ads would all aggro, and then they just hellfire their brains out. And you'd have like two or three warlocks on each side, hellfiring as much as they could, and each one would like have a dedicated healer mm-hmm. who would just keep, oh, yeah. keep them. Up. Oh yeah, you don't heal anybody else. Just keep them up because our raid leader was a warlock and that was like the approach he used that got us through that fight into phase two because it was just like you couldn't no tank could could keep aggro on them there were just so many of them and they came out pre-aggroed you know thunderclap only hit four targets you know it just you weren't going to get them so you that you had people had to cheat it it was nuts so this is going to be fascinating to watch all this aoe the ads coming out faster. Like it's, it's at this point, it's just going to be like a continuous stream of ads. Like yeah. that's, they came out fast already. Joe's completely right. They, they weren't, they weren't like taking their time. They weren't in the back going. We, we had to layer, we had to layer slows to have it even a chance. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. So, but yeah, that's, that's the changes. Um, we didn't talk about like most of the other ones. I do. I do want to mention that Ebon rock and flame gore have been changed to pull at the same time. That and sounds <laughs> I was reading about that. That sounds amazing. Double, yeah. double flame buffet. Let's go. Well, the the thing is, is yeah, you'll have the double flame buffet. 
or flame buffet as I will as always call I it. will always call it buffet. I'm sorry. Yeah, but <laughs> you'll have that. But also, you have the, the the brand of shadow and the brand of of fire, and you can only have if you're a tank, you can only have four of those. More than that, you're you're gonna go down. Like you you need to sw- so you'll need to switch tanks. Uh, there's just like. Each of, they haven't added anything to the fights. They haven't added anything to Ebon Rock or Flame Gore, except they've added Ebon Rock to Flame Gore. <laughs> yep. You know? So on on paper, it shouldn't be that much harder. But in reality, like he's talking about, like Joe mentioned, Flame Buffet. I mean, that's going to be an issue. Uh, it melee on this fight is going to be miserable because you are going to need to switch targets. Like when you get around four to five stacks of, of the various new buffs, you're going to need to switch targets. But there's no way they're going to be tanking those things close to each other. You are, you do not want you each can't. tank getting getting both the buffs at once. So they're not going to be anywhere near each other. So your best hope is to get flame buffeted into the other boss, so you can continue to do damage. So all the melee is going to be on the side facing the other boss, so hoping they can get flame buffeted over there. Well, that, this is going to be fascinating to watch. One thing that is going to help with that, maybe, is that when they cast the the is it is it called flame buffet or is it wind buffet wing it might, buffet? It might be wing buffet for one of them and flame buffet for the other. I don't honestly remember. But, but yeah. like when they cast that, they turn and face each other. So I don't know if that's a bad thing. Like you're going to be caught in the middle and get hit by both of them, it's, or if it's, it's going to be a good buffet, thing because it'll knock you in the correct correct direction. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but yeah, just, just that idea. This is why I'm so fascinated about what they might do to Broodlord, because honestly, I do think if you look at what they did with Ebon Rock and Flame Gore, they didn't actually change them. They just made them both pull at once. I've actually put, we had pulled them at once a couple of times just by sheer mistake. So, and yeah. we fought them. So we did actually do this fight like that. I actually have a theory that they may have accidentally already hard moded uh, Broodlord. So, yeah. So back during in ye olden days, you used to be able to disable and keep the things down before the boss fight. Like the rogues could keep them down for five minutes. Um, the, the slow trap. So you could actually have a little bubble to work with. You can't do that anymore. They just continually pop up. Cause I literally just went through there on my rogue. Uh, and like, I was like, Oh, I'll just disable this because it's a rogue thing. And they just continually pop back up. So if they literally just take that away where you have to deal with that as well as the constantly spawning well pads and warlocks, I think they've already made a hard mode fight inadvertently and they could just leave it at that because it's I can already imagine that just being hell on that fight if you don't have a bubble of movement. <laughs> but is it, is it like that in classic or is that live? Uh, when I went through classic, they were not staying down. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Broodlord is already a fight nobody wants to do. Uh, he's he's only a fight we only do because we have to do him to get through him <laughs> and the, the the bosses that are like actually you know pleasant by comparison. So I yeah. don't know about that. I don't know about. I don't know if the last half of this raid is pleasant at all. Well, is... I, I, let me put it this way: at least uh-huh. you, I've never had anyone just scream into their headphones. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> and just leave a raid like that, like the way Broodlord would get people to do. And th- again, it wasn't even Broodlord. It was the suppression room. The suppression room yeah, we, drove we, people crazy. We had a we had Broodlord a pri- was... we had a priest who quit the guild mid raid back in the year oh days <laughs> because because he could not deal with it. Yeah, and so I don't know. I'm I am looking forward in a in a horrified yet fascinated way 
for what Broodlord's going to be like. If they just put Broodlord in the way he is, then <laughs> that would actually be funny. Like everything else got buffed, but we left Broodlord alone because it isn't the Broodlord <laughs> fight itself doesn't matter. It's getting to Broodlord that's the problem. So yeah, I don't know. But either of you guys have anything else to say about that before we move on to those their emails we got? Bring the pain. I'm good. <laughs> Liz? Nope. Alrighty then. Uh, if you guys know the drill here, we, uh, we, we're we going to look at your questions now. If you've got a question for the site, for this podcast, you please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Or you can go to our Discord, and we've got two channels set up for you there. One is the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel for, for patrons, because you guys keep the lights on, as Joe likes to say, and that's real important. So we like to give you a little something as well. And the other, the other one, because we do want to hear from everybody, not just patrons, uh, there's the Q Questions channel. You can put some questions in there, and we will look at them there as well. Um, so I usually come up with something really arcane, but this week I'm just going to say, Joe, read the first question. All right. The first question. Uh, this is from our friend Tetsemi. Uh, I love you, Tetsemi. Please keep sending us questions. Uh, question for Blizzard Watch. Five years in the future, assuming there still is a Blizzard launcher, which games are still on the launcher? Which games are missing? And name the game that now or still defines Blizzard as a game company. I think the last part of that is going to be the easiest for me to answer. I think it's always going to be WoW. I think it's had too much of an impact on pop culture, too much of an ingrained like to nerd culture at this point where most um, almost everybody has heard of it, played it or know somebody who did at some point and has some knowledge of it, even if they've never played. I know people that have World of Warcraft loot uh, or toys or like uh, hoodies or or things like that that have never played uh, the game before (laughs) in their entire life. So I have a feeling that that will be the thing that defines their legacy for years to come, even after server, even if I'll say, cause I don't know at this point, if servers ever go dark, um, because they've outlasted every other MMO really out there, uh, almost every other MMO out there, then it will still be their legacy. As far as what stays on there, all the blizzard games, I do think that over time and this is a, this is a, a, this is a weird prediction and I don't know how right I'm going to be, but I think with Microsoft taking over, Microsoft has this thing where, or at least Xbox, where they, it's not so much siloing, but they keep things to a containment level so that production can continue. And I think you start to see uh, the Blizzard launcher more geared back towards specifically Blizzard IPs again and the Activision stuff moving away. Everything will show up under the Xbox Game Pass launcher, the Xbox launcher that's built into Windows 10 slash 11. But I think you're going to see like the specific launcher itself start to have those games pare down back to just Blizzard titles. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think it'll be what it is. So that's my answer. What do you guys think? Well, I think what we're going to see in the future is Starcraft making a resurgence. Oh, God, I hope Um, so. Like Starcraft has been so much on the back burner. But one of the things I really noticed when uh, the Microsoft announcement was, was that Starcraft was one of the games featured prominently in that announcement uh, logo, the art they were showing off. Starcraft was pretty prominent. And I think, you know, I think Microsoft is long forward thinking enough to recognize the value of this IP and the value of developing this IP. Whereas I feel like Activision is a little more, okay, if this doesn't make money, Throw it in the garbage. We're done. We're done. We need to be putting out games really fast and we need to be making 
a lot of return on each game. Um, and I don't know that StarCraft was one of those games. It was big in esports, and it certainly had like its little microtransactions with like announcers and things that people were into, but it wasn't like this huge sensation game where they had constant sequels and constant, you know, purchases and things. Uh, so I, I do hope that StarCraft makes a resurgence in some form or another, because I really love StarCraft. Way back in the day, I liked Star Trek Craft a lot more than Warcraft. And in fact, I didn't start playing World of Warcraft on day one because I was like, Ugh. If it was World of Starcraft, I would be into that. But World of Warcraft, I don't People know. People just stop peeing. Mean... <laughs> oldie but a goodie, that joke. Um, but, but no, yeah, I, I think yeah. I think Starcraft is gonna is gonna come back and be a prominent part. Something, something, bring back Nova. Something, something. Mm, something, something, something. <laughs> uh, love it. I absolutely love it. Matt. Well, uh, I think that games that are currently part of the blizzard arcade are going to be on there like the blizzard arcade itself might just be on there um it might even be there now i I haven't looked uh but i also think that there is a real possibility that blizzard won't have a launcher and the arcade Hmm. is on there by the way yeah okay i I, like i said i haven't checked uh but the reason i think that is because there's a real possibility that microsoft will want to leverage the team that had built the most successful of these kind of devices um, the Blizzard launcher is the best. I mean, I've, I've got, I've got origin. I've got like, I got like three or four different companies versions, like Gog's thing. I've the steam thing. Ubisoft. Yeah. The Ubisoft. Oh God. Don't even, I love <laughs> Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but my God, they make it hard to play it. Yes, they do. Um, so of all of them, Blizzard launcher is the cleanest, neatest, easiest to use, fastest to use. And it keeps getting improvements. They have been whatever you feel about Blizzard as a company, uh, and you know you're, you know we we've talked about it like a lot. So whatever, but you cannot take away from the fact that in the past couple of years they have made great strides on that launcher. That launcher is the best one out there. Oh yeah, by far. Um, and integrates new games almost seamlessly. It does a great job of actually launching them. Which is the thing. A it, lot of these companies do not seem to understand that the launcher should launch the game. Well, let's, let's, <laughs> let's also talk about the opposite side of that, that it does that none of the other ones do. If you go to the executable for the game or you just have a shortcut on your desktop, guess what doesn't open if you don't want it to? The launcher. The launcher. Yep. Yeah, that's not <laughs> the case for a lot. EA, definitely not the case. No. Uh, God, Origin. No. Origin, you know, you got me playing Mass Effect, but my God, it's only this Mass Effect. I watched an EA game <laughs> through the Xbox Game Pass launcher that opened the Origin launcher that forced me to log in, that then forced me to go to the website to log in to verify the Origin launcher before the Xbox launcher would launch you. I'm sorry, no. No, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. So. If you are Microsoft and you are buying Blizzard, I mean, all their IPs are great. That's You absolutely want them. You want the Activision IPs. That's totally true. It's a big company. It will get. It gives you a lot of, a huge place in the marketplace. But you'd be daft not to not look to leverage at the that team. Yeah. 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 You leverage that team. So how do you leverage it? Do you do you make the Blizzard launcher into a into a new Game Pass launcher? Does the Game Pass launcher now get to be more like the Blizzard launcher? I don't know the answer to that question. I am not psychic, and I'm not an expert on coding or any of this. 
but I do know that the team at Blizzard has assembled and put together to do this is brilliant, and you want to make use of that as Microsoft. So who knows what form there will even be of a launcher, but assuming for a moment that there is a Blizzard launcher in that amount of time, uh, it's going to have every Blizzard game. They're they're going to they're going to put games like Warcraft One on there. Yeah, uh, and they will make them work one way or another. Because right right now, like the original Diablo is on GOG, and I think Warcraft One and Two are on GOG. Um, that's they're going to be on their launcher. Uh, they're not going to just be stuff you can only get from like you know retro emulation stuff. They're going to put them out there. They are going to make use of this incredibly deep uh, you know IP well that they have, and those games are coming forward. And I'm also going to say this. <clears throat> Some of the people at Blizzard or ex-Blizzard people, like, for instance, people who've worked on Diablo, like Leonard Boyarsky, they made a game I really love when they were in Troika called Arcanum of Steampunk and Magicka Obscura. Mm. Activision owns the rights to that game. Obsidian employs all those people now. Obsidian is owned by Microsoft. Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard. So... I'm going to just say it. Arcanum is going to be on the Blizzard the Blizzard launcher because Arcanum is going to be a Blizzard game because Microsoft will want to develop that property and who better to develop it than the role-playing game company you own. Like it's it's one of those things. I, I honestly don't I honestly wonder if Blizzard will even remain a company. Like if they will just merge them with with uh, Obsidian or some other house. Highly I mean I I would say highly uh, unlikely I, on that front, but I can I've, understand where you're coming from. I honestly find myself wondering because of all the stuff that's been going on. But I think that's my answer. Also, in terms of their most defining game, it's it's uh, a toss-up between Rock and Roll Racing and uh, <laughs> The Lost Vikings. Mm, Lost Vikings. And I'm not, that's not entirely a joke. Like, I'm not I'm not really kidding. Uh, if I were kidding, I would have said Blackthorn because nobody remembers Blackthorn. But no, I'm serious. The, to, in a lot of ways, Blizzard, the company Blizzard is now is because of those games. So yeah, I guess that's my answer. All right. Uh, Liz, do you mind reading the next one? Uh, yes, yes. I totally mind. No, I'm never reading anything again. Okay. <laughs> I got over it real fast. Uh, question from Riptides. Instead of having a retail and classic, what if WoW just allowed you to create a character that was locked to a single expansion, any expansion? You would level up entirely in that expansion and get all the features of it, thinking artifacts from Legion, Azeroth gear, etc., it might be a nice change of pace and an opportunity for people to hang out in those places and push end game content without just doing transmog runs that are trivial at high level. Um, so yeah, that's a different kind of take on classic for sure. And they, I mean, they kind of sort of already do this in that you have a character in classic and you have a character in Burning Crusade. I mean, they're separate characters. Are we talking about having one character that you can unlock and move around yeah i don't know um it's an interesting thing to think about uh like instead of thinking about them as separate games which we kind of do now what if it's just one game and you progress or you stay i don't know i don't know isn't that kind of what they used to do with level locking not really because level i mean if i think about like how level locking works level locking still worked in the current expansion you were in like for instance if i understand what this person is saying they would basically lock into a single expansion as that expansion was at the time like i if this is just locking it into the current expansions 
then I don't know if that's really going to work. Oh, I mean, we're talking about like instead of having like instead of like, instead of ha- instead yeah. of having classic be its own thing and each of these games be their own thing. What if it was just one thing? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and that may be that may be a technical problem too. I, yeah, because I think they're already kind of doing that though with classic and the way that they're spinning up the different servers, and we're kind of already starting to see the birth of that. And I think. I think Liz is right with the technical aspect of it. If you're trying to have everybody plays retail and then you lock yourself in retail, you can't generally do that, right? Because a lot of stuff doesn't exist. And if you don't want to play the current expansion, that's perfectly fine. It sounds like they're already trying to give you methods of doing that because you already have Burning Crusade Classic. You can now play up to Burning Crusade just like you could when Burning Crusade was the expansion that was released. And we've already speculated, and it seems like if there's enough people that want it, they'll probably continue to do that to a certain extent where you'll be able to do that to, to you know, that point. But I also think that the technical debt that would be incurred by trying to implement that into the standard live game, I, I can't fathom having enough resources and people to dedicate to that while still trying to produce regular content at a better pace, which they've they're they're really want to do and they're trying to do and maintaining the quality of current systems. It's it's almost like this this thing of how can we look forward if we're also partially looking backwards. So, I get where you're coming from, Riptides. I just don't I don't see it ever happening in live. I think it's going to be something that's always relegated to classic as its own separate server, its own separate systems with its own like bubble of of code and machinery that they can worry about in a vacuum, so to speak, without having to worry about how it affects live services. Plus, if you do the WoW Classic method, you can actually have the rules be what they were when it was live. Yeah. Whereas if you lock people to, say, Cataclysm, but you did it on live servers, are you locking them to Cataclysm with the current system? Or are you locking them to Cataclysm and suddenly the rules all revert to Cataclysm? Because yeah, that point, that's doing, already classic. Doing Cataclysm with the current system, like if people are trying to do, like, say, Dragon Soul, um, I feel a great swell of pity for people who are <laughs> trying to do Dragon Soul with modern rules. Oh, yeah. Because you will not have the things we used to get through those fights, specifically the Bloods. I don't know who's tanking that fight, but I pity them. Maybe a maybe a demon hunter could do it, but again, like can demon hunters be locked to, to cataclysm? I, I, you know, there were no demon hunters in cataclysm. They won't have any loot. Like all their loot will be off spec stuff that that nobody else wants because the, and they won't be using warglaves. No warglaves dropped. I mean, they could use swords, so it's not like a huge problem. But you know, you see where we're going with this. Like I I don't know how this is going to work to even try to do it. So I it feel does like go ahead. I feel like this is maybe like a convenience where you have all of these expansions in one place and you can pick one you want to play through and pick another you want to play through. I feel like that's there's a convenience factor to that, but I think it brings a lot of hurdles, a lot of technical challenges, yeah. a lot of problems. Like basically, that- if you want it where you you could theoretically like just do chromie time, pick cataclysm stay there till you hit level 60 or like level 50 and then just not go anywhere and just do cataclysm content. You could do that like right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the problem is, but yeah, 
the problem is you would have trouble finding people to come raid with you and things like that. So I think that's the, that's the big appeal with Classic, is you can get to the end game and play it more or less as it was. But I think integrating that into retail and bundling them all together is going to be a big technical hurdle because you've got everything in Classic is running on different patch levels. Uh, so everything works different when you're in a different, uh, when you're in a different uh, client. And uh, yeah, I just think it'd be a real headache to add to the retail game. And the benefits would maybe be kind of minor, really. Even though <clears throat> probably the big benefit is that you could get to the end of this and you would have that character on live. And you could say, okay, I'm done playing classic vanilla and I'm going to go play Shadowlands with the same character. Yeah, like if you could move them around. Yeah, if that was available. But, yeah. Um, at this point, I think we've pretty much covered this, so I got to go deal with the sick cat fairly soon. So I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to pick the next one and read it, and then we can talk about it. So this is one from Puzzled by a D20, who says, "Hello, what's a good way to really understand the logic of game systems? Uh, played in a few campaigns so far, and for whatever reason, the way these D20 systems work always roll away like water." droplets on a windshield it's time to figure out how not to be perpetually level one when sitting down to play uh sincerely puzzled by a d20 uh, i stole this from tavern watch just because i wanted to answer it so bad or more accurately because i wanted to hear joe and, and liz answer it so <laughs> joe and liz answer it go ahead liz you first i i i don't have an answer to this one um i i do not know so i I'm puzzled by the question, I guess would be the best way yeah. to put it, because what it sounds like to me is a lot of uh, like trying to understand the core concept of the D20 system or game systems in general. And the problem is each game system has its own inherent uh, ideology behind it. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, I'm currently reading through, I just got a copy of the Power Rangers TTRPG today. I got, uh, I have the hardcover ordered and Renegade sent me a copy of the PDF, which thank you, Renegade. Um, so I'm reading through it, and this is a game that started as a D20 5E system, a campaign based around those base ideas. As production of the game started, and I will be writing about this uh, for the site, so I'll go in more in depth if anybody's interested. Um, they realized that the D20 system, as it was represented for D&D 5th edition, would not actually suit the type of gameplay that they wanted to actually have. And so they took that core system, borrowed from it, and developed their own D20 system on top of it, uh, augmenting what they needed to augment to have the type of game they play. This is something similar to what the Dark Souls tabletop RPG is likely looking to do with 5th edition as well, um, where the 5th edition will be the core of it. Uh, but then they will modify it to to have their very specific um, design ideology met. Now, with D&D 5th edition, if we wanted to use that as the basis for this, which I think we will because you're mentioning D20 systems work, uh, and that is sort of the largest D20 system on the market right now, the idea of level one isn't necessarily the start of a game. What level one, and we talked about this a little bit on Tavern Watch, uh, the last episode, so go back and listen to it, and, and we had a good discussion about this, is it's really your training wheels for the system to get used to how dice rolling and rules interact. And at level one, there's a reason why a lot of classes and the DM at monsters at that appropriate level don't have a lot of options to work with right off the bat. But as you get to level three, 
the game opens up because that is really where the meat of the game starts up. So you have levels one and two as training grounds. Okay, well, here's here's how your character works. Here's how the world works. Here's how combat works. Here's how spellcasting works. Here's how skill checks work. Okay, now we're going to do a level up. Here's how leveling up works. Here's how you look through this. And, and it's it's to train you how to use the system. And then you get to level three and everything just blows wide open. All the monsters all of a sudden have tons of different abilities. There are actually challenge rated monsters for a level three party that have legendary actions, limited legendary actions, but legendary actions to start introducing that concept. You have player characters who have classes that have huge skills that start in at level three um, that completely change how things interact. But because you have the basis of level one and level two, you understand how they work and you're not completely blindsided by it. Not every game and not every D20 system is like this. Some D20 systems, and this is an old school one that I'll call out specifically for Matt, is Mutants and Masterminds. At level one, you were an insane powerhouse, and it just threw you into the deep end back in the day. I don't know about the current version. I haven't caught up on the current version. But it's you look at level one and you look at those early levels as what are they intending to do and what is its purpose? So... If you say that it's time to figure out how to not perpetually be level one, that's a that's a that's a rule zero conversation. That's a session zero conversation. You talk with the people around you. Is everybody already comfortable with the system? Don't start at level one. The game we're about to run, everybody's comfortable with the system. We're not starting at level one. So it's I could go on about this for hours, but I'm not going to. So I'll, I'll let Matt get his final say in. Sorry, I it, it no, could be a long conversation. I think, no, I think it was a pretty good a pretty good answer. Basically, each game has a methodology to it each game has a a motive to it like it you know for instance just just to break this down real simple uh d20 systems tend to be nowadays they tend to be roll a d20 add your modifiers subtract any penalties hit a target number so if you're trying to hit a monster with armor class 18 you have a plus three to hit the the, you know you roll a d20 and if you get an 18 or higher you hit that's that's how D20 systems work, ultimately. That's the core. Everything is based around that concept. That's how D20 system games work. Other game systems do different kinds of things. Uh, like Shadowrun used to roll, you'd roll multiple D6s. You were trying to hit a target number on each, like there was a difficulty. And then it was how many successes you got. Like if you, let's say the target number was four, you rolled five D6s because you had that many points in an attribute. If you got like one success, you kind of pulled it off, but the more successes you got, it would tell you how many you needed to actually succeed. And that's that's how that system worked. Each game has its own system that works in a specific way to fit the, the meta of that game and sometimes to fit the actual feel of the game. Uh, but that kind of tells you. Unfortunately, I don't have time to go into any more detail on it, so we're going to wrap it up. But I, you know, seriously puzzled. Thank you for sending that in. It was a really cool thing to think about. I'm, I'm very excited to talk more about it on Tavern Watch because I think it is. Oh, we're going to fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, oh yeah, that's that's been the podcast. Uh, Joe. Yep. Uh, so Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. 
I'm so glad you guys come and be here with us. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, if you've got a question for the show, again, you can email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch to distinguish it from one of the other two podcasts we do. Uh, so that would be helpful. And you can go to the patron Q and questions channel, uh, or you can go to our Q questions channel and you can ask questions there as well. Um, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Thanks guys. And we'll be back next week.